the Leadership Upside Podcast with Chuck Carringer, where we discuss what successful leaders are doing, saying, and thinking. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Leadership Upside Podcast. I'm your host, Chuck Carringer. Our guest today is Clark Twitty. And if you heard our first episode, you you recall Clark from episode number one, helping us launch Leadership Upside. Clark is the president of Twitty & Company, located in the Outer Banks area of North Carolina. Clark, welcome back to Leadership Upside. Chuck, thank you very much. I'm thrilled to be here again. Clark, start us off with just a, a little bit of background and introduction into you and Twitty & Company. So Twitty & Company is a hospitality property management firm in Northeastern North Carolina. Your listeners probably heard a description of that the first time around. A little more interesting description might be that Twitty & Company has had the opportunity, having been in business for more than 40 years, to look at successful outcomes for vacation rental homeowners and traveling guests literally hundreds of thousands of times. And being close observers to that, we think some of our pattern analysis is among the best in the country at understanding what successful outcomes are for homeowners and their guests. Excellent. Clark, when we were chatting about potential topics for the podcast, one of the topics that I've been very much looking forward to is what you called small things that can have a big impact or some version of that. Would you share with us some, in your experience, small things that can have a big impact? I love this topic. And Chuck, I've got a weed eater in the background, so my apologies very quickly. Um, I have often thought that so many of our successes, well, here, can we edit this out or should I start over? Uh, We'll just edit it out and, and you can pick it up right there. You got it. Time and time again, I have seen really good outcomes on our client services on behalf of our homeowners and our guests be the result, not of big strategic principles or priorities, but of little things. And I've got several good examples. I know you and I have talked about these in several of our conversations. One of my favorites is one of our biggest clients, and I say client, one of our biggest homeowners who has more than $10 million invested here on the Outer Banks. Yeah, here, let me see if I can, yeah, hang on one second. I hate to tell our guys not to go clean up and make our stuff look great. Clark, one of the the topics that as we discussed the podcast uh, that I'm really excited about our listeners uh, having an opportunity to hear you elaborate on is the topic, small things that can have a big impact in your leadership and business. Would you share some of those with us? Chuck, this is a topic that time and time again surprises me. We spend a lot of time, as I know a lot of your listeners do, talking about strategy and big strategic goals and those kinds of things. And yet at the same time, several of our best client relationships, and I say client, these are homeowners with significant investments here on the Outer Banks, are a direct reflection, not of our big corporate strategy, but of the small gestures we made in listening to them. Last time you and I talked about listening, The great example of that is one of our biggest clients is with us with the direct 
relationship to a cup of coffee that I called him out of the blue one day and said, can I buy you a cup of coffee? And we visited for about 45 minutes over a cup of coffee and it was two bucks and it took 45 minutes. And that's our, one of our top three clients right now. Several other good examples of that. We had a home close recently. We sold a home for a record dollar amount here on the Outer Banks. And the gentleman called out of the blue on the phone and said he would like to see the home. And we began to walk him through a process and describe to him why he couldn't see the home in the way he wanted to see it. And he paused and said, hang on, let me stop you. Google me for a minute. And the gentleman obviously was very famous in financial circles. And that was a great example of us not pausing to listen first. We put the process ahead of the person. And I think we are full of small things around the company relative to values that inevitably are paving the way forward to our clients and our customers. Clark, if you don't mind, let's go back to the cup of coffee story because I, I happen to know a little bit more about that story and I, I wouldn't, uh, I don't want you to, to share more than you're comfortable, but uh, what led, if you don't mind sharing, to the cup of coffee? Sure. This gentleman was not very happy with our service and he reached out to me. He found me on our company's website and said, hey, I, I would just love to share my experience with you. And hint, hint, that's a great way to get to leadership in any organization, not to complain, but say, I'd just like to share my experience. So I said, I'd love to hear it. We met, we talked about several of his problems. I was very candid and describing why he had seen those problems and what we were doing to remedy them long term. But I also took the time to listen and ask about his family and those kinds of things. And after that conversation, he said, well, I appreciate you taking the time. And he called about a week later and said, I'd like to buy another home. And then he called about a month later and said, I'd like to buy another home. And to this day, now we have a glowing relationship with that person. And I think it was as a result of candor and also pausing to listen deeply. But it started with an unhappy customer who is now one of our strongest relationships. And I think what he was looking for was, let's see how honest and candid they are in describing and acknowledging my experience, going back to listening and trusting. Clark, there may be a number of our, our listeners uh, who are uh, trying to reconcile the, the reality that you're at the top of your organization, you're the president of Twitty and Company, and yet a a, uh, a complaint made its way across your desk. Was that an unusual occurrence or is that a common occurrence that when something isn't just the way you would want it or your team would want it with a guest or a homeowner that it finds its way all the way to the top? You know, and that's a great topic too. A lot of your listeners and depending on the size of the organization, you simply can't get to all the complaints or in our business, we're a small business, about 175 full-time staff. If the leadership is too accessible, you're essentially casting doubt on the ability of your unit level leadership to solve the appropriate problems at the right level. So you have to walk this fine line. I personally believe I love delegating to our frontline leadership at the same time, there's no ivory tower. And I have found that as a leader in our small organization, the ability to engage directly with customers is something that should never be delegated. So I take time every day to read complaints. My email address is on our website. And that's not because I don't trust our people to solve problems. It's because I think it's imperative to understand customers, not as data points, 
only, but as people having human experiences and being authentic in the ability to engage directly with customers, particularly unhappy customers. And I think that's part and parcel of Twitty's leadership model. Everyone, well, let me rephrase that. No one is too busy to engage directly with a customer. And that tone is set from the very top. Awesome. Uh, Clark, all of us who have been on vacation or even just out to dinner or whatever the circumstance is where we've been customers, at some point in our lifetime, we have been disappointed in the level of service that we received. And you're in a very customer-centric industry, and your company puts a premium on uh, the experience of those who are both vacationing and the homeowner. Um, So you have customers on a couple of different levels. I'm curious for you personally, when you're uh, the customer, what is it you're looking for that would indicate to you, hey, there's a lot of intentionality and focus on customer service, or there's perhaps a lack of it? You know, I, I spend a ton of time thinking about this. I'm so happy you asked. And so every year we welcome about a quarter of a million guests to the Outer Banks I am absolutely convinced that customer service everywhere is just taking a back seat right now in this day and age. And the the good news is the bar is really low to have a great customer experience. I think a great customer experience is manifested not in the big things. It goes back to that cup of coffee versus the big strategic goals, but in the little things. So I look for attention to small things clean bathrooms, empty trash cans are always a great example of an organization that pays attention to little things, name tags, eye contact, standing up. Some people just call that simple manners. Some anticipation of me as a human being, some awareness of whether or not I've been there before, whether or not I might have a preference, whether or not my needs have been anticipated. Opening front doors, for example, saying thank you, being the last person to speak. So many times I think customer service is not the big things, it's the small things. Uh, and then Rudy Giuliani, when he was the president, not a, or not the president, not a political comment, when he was the mayor of New York, the crime rate went down. He wrote a great book about it. And they said, how'd you get the crime rate down in New York City? And he said, well, it's easy. I started prosecuting spray painting. Because I figured if I would get the little things right, the big things would take care of themselves. In the customer service world, I always look for the little things. And I think that's very important. Colin Powell told a great story one time. He would go around the country and look at military installations. And he would look in restrooms because he knew that's where the troops spent a lot of time. And he would look in the barracks where they lived. And he would look for cracked mirrors, old equipment, damaged materials. And if people didn't take care of the things that impacted their people the most, he knew there was an organizational problem. If the little things were taken care of, he knew the organization was okay. Clark, as as an organization who hires not only, as you said, 175 full-time staff who set the example, um, but also a large number of seasonal employees who you have for a, a shorter duration and who perhaps aren't as in uh, deeply um, engrossed in the uh, yep. Twitty culture. Um, in your experience, 
can the elements of great customer service that you mentioned, the the, the personal touch that stands out to all of us, uh, can that be taught or is it, do you, do you see people who come to you, either they have it or they don't? I think it can be taught. I think there is a, a personality. Obviously, we're looking for people who smile and we're looking for people who run to problems. So I think that's just fairly natural. Uh, as a great example, that seasonal workforce in the summertime, we go upward to six and 700. Many of those folks are home cleaners and field maintenance personnel. So the thing we do there to engage with them most readily is we lead by example. So most of our turnover, most of our heavy lift in terms of a vacation occurs on weekends, Saturday and Sunday. So I go out to several of our facilities, or I did pre-COVID and I will again, and pour coffee for folks at about 5.30 or 6 and 6.30 in the morning. And I ask about their families. How long was your drive this morning? A lot of times when they pull up in the car, I can see the Hardee's wrappers. I know where they ate breakfast. What road did you come down? And the example I'm trying to set is treat your housekeepers the same way you do your customers because blinding flash of the obvious, maybe they are your customers. And we try and model, this is how we interact across the board. And if we do that, I think think we have a really good retention component to our folks in the field. And these are folks who are pulling up in sweatpants, who've been up since four in the morning. They're on a cup of coffee, number three, and we smile. And how was your trip? And I pour them a cup of coffee. That will never change at Twitty and Company because we got to treat those behind the walls the same way we do the customer who comes into these immaculate front counters. Outstanding. Clark, I'm just reminded there's no opt-out of leading by example. We're always leading by example. Um, the question more is, is our example worthy of, of being emulated? Are we setting the type of example we would want to see others carry forth? But there isn't an opt-out to leading by example. Do you happen to have another um, small uh, thing that can be a, uh, uh, a have a big impact handy um, you could share. I'll share three of them very quickly with you. I completely agree with no opt out. A lot of times I see young people looking to advance their career and they'll say, well, I need leadership opportunities either here at Twitty and Company or out in the community. And my comment there is leaders lead all the time. They just do it. So if you come to us looking for those opportunities, that's a telltale sign that you're not looking for them organically on your own. So leaders just lead 24 hours a day. Two quick things. One of the things that I think great leaders get right is they don't just do the right things, but they do them in the right sequence. Napoleon said that genius was sequence in many regards. So the sequencing of the right things is something that, frankly, I have stumbled on over the years. And now I think a lot about sequence or I'll even say in terms of a ratio, I think as much about sequence as I do the individual things, maybe even more now that I say that out loud. Sequence to me is the art form of leadership. And I love that. And then I'll leave you with this. Um, You have six components of leadership and I pour over them on your LinkedIn. Thank you for sharing them. In our business, we have something not dissimilar. We offer a roadmap to all of our homeowners, and it's a very simple roadmap, and it starts with the quality of their home, the quality of their asset, because quality is always important. We combine that with strategy, the strategy of their home, and we've got a model and a matrix we use to articulate that execution, how we deliver service to that efficiently, effectively, reliably. And here's the interesting one. And then we multiply by trust. 
or we divide by trust. That's the relationship. That's very much a human component. If we multiply, we move faster at a lower cost. If we divide, we move more slowly at a higher cost. And that's very important. All those things together, if we multiply by trust, leads to a superior result. If we don't do any of those, now we're not going to get a superior result. We're going to get a good result or an average result. And that's a roadmap. And I know that that dovetails a little bit with yours. What, what a powerful statement about the multiplication impact of having trust or the divisive impact of, of the absence of trust. Fantastic uh, takeaway. Clark, can we go back to the sequencing um, concept? I'd like for you to unpack that a little bit further, if you don't mind. Help us understand exactly what you're getting at when you are talking about the sequence of different things. So many times when we see problems or we have challenges as an organization, particularly the high red, the, the alpha personality that's highly focused, highly driven, sees a challenge, identifies a solution and runs to that solution right away. And firefighting and a lot of personality components to that. Obviously, there's also the component that what's on the periphery so many times is the sequence. And the specific example is data analytics here at Twitty and Company. When we began to recognize the need for data analytics, we thought at the time that what we needed was a software solution to analytics. And we went out and spent a lot of money on it and bought it. We did need a software solution to analytics, but the sequence was wrong. What we needed was our own staff to begin to ask the questions of how they would use data analytics in their everyday engagements with customers Were they ready to adopt analytics and embrace the discomfort of automating some of the things they were doing? Were they collaborative enough not to compete over the resources that went into this? And it's only once we had achieved those sequence that we needed to go out and buy a software solution. So we got the solution and then did all the people components. Time and time again, I recognize now that the people components of the sequence are the greatest predictors of success. And if you get the sequence wrong and put the people of the end of it, you have a much higher probability of failure, at least in our organization. We've learned that over the years that the people and their ability to use this is a very important critical component of that sequence. Outstanding. Uh, Clark, I, I want to turn just a bit, and as we we um, begin to get close on time, I'd like to talk about your own leadership growth and development. Um, in the first episode, you really you shared your background. You you've got uh, extensive leadership experience in a variety of roles in the military, at the state level, uh, in your own organization. How do you go about continuing? to grow in your capabilities as a leader. Can you just share some of the, the things you do, some of the, the impactful uh, moments for you as, personally as you continue to grow as a leader? Yeah, I, I have, uh, gosh, I've made more mistakes than anybody I know in terms of, uh, uh, of leadership mistakes. And I guess one thing that I would, would share is I'm always searching for ways to get outside of my comfort zone, and I'm deliberate about it. Uh, I believe the world is run by people who simply show up. I'm actually an introvert, so it's not easy for me to walk into rooms and begin to affect change or make an imprint right away. But I'm convinced that showing up is a prerequisite for true leadership. And I'm always searching for groups that think differently than I do, 
groups that obviously operate a different way than I'm used to. I'm looking for the personalities that may be different from mine. And I'm very deliberate about searching for those kind of opportunities where I think I might get outside of my comfort zone because I think somewhere where I'm making uh, or am, am failing rapidly or outside of my comfort zone, the learning curve is increasing. So I'm deliberate about thinking about a learning curve and charting where I'm learning the fastest and looking for those opportunities. Clark, I, I happen to know that you're very involved in the community uh, in your region. Um, and you're and I know you're extraordinarily busy with with uh, your your own business and family uh, commitments and that sort of thing. The the emphasis on giving back to the community or community involvement, civic responsibility, if you will, um, can you share where that comes from for you personally and perhaps your experience um, with those uh, investments of your time? Sure. I believe that a great business, particularly in our in our area of Northeastern North Carolina, I believe businesses should be forces for the greater good in the lives of the people those businesses touch. I'm just convinced of that, whether it's our own staff, customers, clients, partners, vendor relationships. We just have to do that. And we have to lead by example within our leadership team. And I'm fortunate to be involved in a lot of things I would share to any of your young listeners out there. It started really small. The first board I ever joined was about five people. Uh, it was a very low impact board. I'd never done anything like that. It was often a, in a dusty corner of some room and I got to learn a little bit. And then I got invited to be on a nine person board and then a 15 person. And then next thing you know, now today I'm on some of the bigger boards in our region. I'm, I'm fortunate to be on them, but it was a gradual journey. Nobody just showed up in the parking lot one day and said, hey, come run this big thing. They looked for sustained performance over a period of time and it started small. But um, I just believe that to answer your question, our business and, and our families, we have to be a force for greater good. And I believe that we have to lead by example in demonstrating that. Clark, our, our final question as we're, we're closing in our, our time on this episode, um, you mentioned young people. And I'd like for you to, to um, share some advice or counsel for a young person who aspires to um, leadership, to advance in their chosen career, whatever that career might be. If you were sitting across the lunch table from a young person, perhaps of college age or nearing graduation, um, who said, hey, I, I want to be an organizational leader. I have a passion to lead and I want to advance in my career. What advice would you give them? I would say two things, do two things every single day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Number one is go do something. And when I say do something, I mean not on Facebook or not digitally or something in terms of social media, get up and go do something. Embrace the failure of what you do because you're a human being, you're going to fail. If you're not failing, you're not out far enough outside your comfort zone. And here's the second thing, combine that with, self-reflection and self-awareness around what you're learning and get systemic about analyzing your growth, what you're learning and how you're applying it. Do those two things every single day and over 10 or 20 or 30 years, that's how you get to go do whatever you want to do. 
We so often uh, discount in that great advice, the compounding effect of, as you called it, showing up every day, sustainment of a good habit that you build on. And one day doesn't seem that impactful, but over the course of time, uh, there's such a compounding effect. Clark, thank you so much. Thank you, Chuck. Always a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Leadership Upside, where we discuss what successful business leaders in diverse organizations are doing, saying, and thinking. Our guest today has been Clark Twitty. If you'd like to learn more about Twitty and Company, please visit their website at twitty.com. Clark, today, again, has been such a a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Lead well today, uh, leaders. It's a, a privilege uh, to be in an organizational leadership responsibility. It's also, uh, uh, it is a huge responsibility, but let's not forget it is a privilege. Look forward to seeing you next time on Leadership Upside. Thanks for joining us today. Head over to chuckcarringer.com 